Welcome everybody. We are back with Story Matters. This is episode 18. And uh, yes, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to start, uh, you know, mentioning the uh, episode numbers. The episode numbers. I'm proud of that. We've done 18 of these. Yeah. Um, Did you ever think it would get to this point? I hoped it would. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're doing pretty good. I, you know, I, what I think is great is I know a lot of other podcasts, they struggle for content. They struggle yeah. with, you know, because they pick a topic that's kind of obscure. And yeah. then it's like, oh, what are we going to talk about every week? Well, we got, there's a, literally an infinite number of books written in the you world. You can talk about, yeah. A near infinite. So we could just read books and talk about them till the day we die. And I think we'll never right. run out of material. So I, I think, don't think we will. And yeah, it's like, hello, no fun. And it's hella fun, yeah. And we're just doing books. I think I want to expand into like maybe a little bit like other media, like maybe some movies and some TV shows. Um, Primarily focus on books, but you know, storytelling (laughs) encompasses a a lot. So, so so today we are finishing our Dark Tower discussion because I just completed the seventh and final book in Stephen King's. Uh, Dark Tower Saga. This and it's was, been a long time coming. Yes, this is a million and a half words. I looked it up. It is the longest yeah. series I've ever read, uh, longer than Harry Potter by about uh, four hundred thousand words. So, oh my god! So yeah, it's this a man. It's a chunky series. This is not Stephen King's forte. Like he, he's not good at like world building. He's not good at uh, I think doing fantasy. I don't think that's what he's the best at. So right. whenever, whenever we're in the real world, I feel more engaged. Like whenever he's talking about, because they go back and forth in this mm-hmm. book between his imaginary world and mm-hmm. Earth. And whenever he goes to Earth, I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm just more interested because I just feel he's better in that environment. A lot of his like inspiration was taking from these like really uh, weird worlds. <laughs> You know that he read as a kid too, so I'm not sure I can fault him. You know, no, for no, that kind of like he admits to reading Lovecraft and reading, um, uh, you know, Tolkien. But I think they just do it better. Like when you, oh sure, you know, like, like one thing I noticed is I like I think George Lucas, oddly enough, is one of the best at this. Is that he creates a world where you feel like there's stuff kind of happening off camera right like you get a sense that right you know yeah the camera's not only pointing to where the action is there's all this other stuff kind of going off in the background that that gives you a sense that this is a much bigger world that you just don't know about you know right um and that's something lovecraft does really well that's something tolkien does really well stephen king doesn't do that well right you know when we're in like fetic or thunderclap or one of these towns that he talks about, I get a sense that this is it. This is just the one town. I don't get a sense that there's other places and other people in that world. It just feels like what he's pointing at is is all there is, you know. And huh. I think, yeah, you know, and I think that's a problem when you're telling a story about the end of the universe. You know, so the whole universe is is at stake here. Um, yeah. Then you got to give me a sense that there's more out there other than this one town where these people are trying to destroy the universe. You know. Okay, so we have the death of Randall Flagg. Okay, now this is a character I was kind of excited to read about because I remember him from The Stand. He was a major character in The Stand. He was kind of like the devil in right. the book. And um, and the end of the stand, they literally had to nuke the guy, right? To get to <laughs> they, kill him, they to dropped, get rid of him. right? They, they let a nuke go off to, and I don't know if he he died. They, they, he he didn't specify that you know the nuke killed him, but it, it kind of killed all of his his bad guy gang, you know. So right. I was under the impression that man, this this Randall Flag guy, he he's like Satan. He's he's a very powerful demon. And then he gets killed in the dumbest possible way. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say the dumbest possible way, but dumb for him because this is the this is the the man in black, right? This is the guy that we've been hearing about for six books, and right. we've been waiting for him to appear and do something, maybe have a, a dramatic standoff against Roland, 
and he just gets eaten by a spider baby. You know? And <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I guess uh, Susanna gave birth to a were spider, which is a baby that can turn into a spider. And um, and the baby grows up very rapidly. So by the end of like this uh? book, it's like a young man. And the spider okay, just no, eats the spider just eats Randall Flag and, and he's just like powerless to do anything. And I'm like, I thought this guy was a very badass dude. So I, it was a little disappointing <laughs> because I thought uh, this is the main baddie I saw, one of the main baddies, but I guess not. He just he just bit the dust really easily, you know. So that's Pennywise. Well, I don't know because he dies in this book, though. Uh, it doesn't matter, though. Not in Stephen King's universe. No, he but, can no, die like, and no, then like reappear, Mordred, you know. Mordred got killed in this at the end of this book. And also in, I know. in a kind of an unceremonious way. So, like, maybe they're the same species or something as Pennywise. That could be. Well, I think what I got from it was that Pennywise was an eldritch abomination trying to break no, through. Yeah, sure, sure. No, yeah, I can, that's yeah, why. I can, no, I can see and, it. Well, I mean, Pennywise wasn't mentioned, and that, that was kind of disappointing too because I kept waiting for Pennywise to show up. Yeah, no, um, that was that was an aspect of Pennywise. Well, yeah, I mean, the fact that Pennywise but, yeah. ends up appearing as a spider in places like Derry and. You know, in other stories, you hear about the spiders, or no, I, you know, yeah, it's I always an as yeah, the same like the same kind of creature as Mordred was, um, right? But if you read the stand, you'd realize that this guy is just as badass or powerful as Pennywise sure. was. So it would right. be like if Pennywise showed up in in this book and he just got killed really easily by some some random guy you'd be, you'd be like wait what like this is like the whole oh. point of it so i, I guess that's yeah. why as a reader of the stand it just felt like and and aside from that the, it just seemed like there was this build-up like this is this bad guy that we're waiting forever to to to, to make his grand appearance mm-hmm. and then as soon as he does it's like oh he's dead you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like you know. The, yeah, I the, forgot you hate that. The, well, the Simpsons, you know, they they joked about the um, the Shining. They have an episode of the Shining, one of the Halloween episodes, where yeah. they have the uh, groundskeeper Willie, like he has the Shining and he's gonna go save the boy, right. and he's running to save the boy, and as soon as he gets to the hotel, he just dies right away, and you're like, oh man, like, oh. and it's just kind of comical how quickly, you know, he, he just. just he yeah. gets killed, and, and you know the Simpsons makes fun of that because there's all this buildup. You're waiting for this thing to happen, and then it's just like, oh, he's dead, you know. And that's that's, <laughs> oh, how, that's what, how I what felt did I about. I just read all of this. Yeah, that's what I felt this. about Flag. You know, the man in black. But <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, so then, uh, so then they go into. I want to say Fetic. It's it's one of these. Te- also, the names are not great. I don't know. Stephen King isn't great with fictional names, but so they go to Fetic. <laughs> I, I feel like he drove by like a FedEx one day, and he's like, "Oh, FedEx. Hmm. You know, maybe I can turn <laughs> into a name of a place." I don't know. I do the same. I do the same. So I don't want to like totally knock him, but I, but I try to. Do it. Yeah, but, no, I understand um, what you're saying. It's but, like too easy. Like, was he sleeping on this when he wrote it? You know? I don't know. So yeah. yeah. So and then we get into like the perspective of the bad guys. You know, we get into their heads, and I just didn't really care. I I, I don't know. I just didn't really care about. I think he tried to humanize them a little bit and be like, you know, like the leader of the bad guys was a Christian and he was praying to God every night, even though he was trying to destroy the universe. Which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, so yeah. I, 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 <laughs> if it makes too much sense to you in this case, it's, you're not going to find it in these books. Maybe, well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think if you don't read this book as fantasy, it's good. Like, if you come into it as this is just a surrealist story, yeah, it works. And that's what's so confusing to me about this book. Is that I really enjoyed it. I don't want right. to. I don't want to come across like I didn't like it. Like I really yes. liked it. Yes. But it doesn't make any sense. It's like you got all these YouTubers <laughs> that are just like, you know, they basically judge a story on how much it makes sense. 
So those right. people and, would hate this book because nothing. Yeah, makes and that's sense what I'm sense. saying. Like you know? the, the book is just so strange. It takes you on such a weird journey. And you know, like surrealism is not to everybody's taste. You know, they people either look at it and they're like, "Oh, that's really intriguing," or they go, "Oh, I just don't like it." You know, it's a very immediate response. So, so, so I mean, a lot of people just hate this book series. You know, some Stephen King books I take a little bit more seriously than others. You know, you don't have to take them equally seriously. And I mean, if I just want something to zone out on, you know, this is it. I, you know, I couldn't help it. You know, when I was done reading this book. It was kind of like I had Daniel Green's reaction where, like, he just said this book broke me. And uh, I don't want to say yeah. I went quite that far, but I had to take a walk. I'm like, I got I got, I got to just take a walk and think about this. Yeah, and I get it because it's just like it's all this jumbled <laughs> stuff that shouldn't work. And then he gets to the end and he just kind of wraps it up. And it's not even that it's neat. It's sloppy. You yeah. know, he's, but he's just like, here you guys go. Love it or hate it, it's done. Yeah, if and someone told me like this book is terrible, I hate it, I would I would understand. I'd be like, I understand. This yeah. book is all about emotions. It's all about yes. feelings. Like like logic is irrelevant. It's just like it's, yeah. And god damn it, this the you know, Stephen King makes you feel things. And that's what's yeah. so confusing because I've always said that the measure of a good story is that it makes you feel things, and I think this yes. does. It does make you feel things. You know, but yeah, I mean, it was just like this roller coaster, but I, I just, yeah. No, well, I, I think it's a better ending than The Stand. I, I have to say, I actually like this ending better than a lot of the books. Like, I liked it better than even Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, the ending of this book. Uh, I think a lot oh, of really? things. Yeah, I think a lo- there was a lot of sort of emotional resolution. So I wasn't like let down so much by the ending, even though there's a million other loose threads but that's just i don't think he could have tied it all together because because so well, much of it was just kind of nonsensical anyway you know well it was kind of nonsensical but also like i think roland was able to pull the lessons <clears throat> along with him and i mean that was like a huge part of like the story was that he was just gonna go around on this you know these this wheel and these paths forever uh doing the same thing over and over again oh, yeah. like, and a lot of storytellers do this um, you know, they put their stories on that kind of wheel aspect, mm-hmm. or it's uh, the wheel is a part of symbolism, you know, and I don't mind that whatsoever. I think it's, you know, I mean, you're certainly familiar with building, you know, your universe and, you know, setting up little station ways along the line. Uh, perhaps especially in your games Um, and I really like that I think that is really cool I mean it gives you a taste of like everything and uh, you know some of these authors are just really keen on doing that and I just that's something that brings me into their fiction yeah I think this book is the poster child for you know why you should plot things out right because he doesn't believe things out he said this many times and I and I'm thinking that might work for a smaller story, right? For Carrie and Cujo and Christine. Sure. But if you're building an epic million and a half word saga, I think it might help to a million have and some, a half words. Right. To Sorry. plan things out. But that being said, uh, you know, he almost saves himself just because his technique is so good and right. he conveys emotions so well. It's as if. William Shakespeare was handed the script to the Star Wars sequels, okay? <laughs> no, you're right. Right? He's like, okay, yes. this doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> but you're just such a good writer that you're just going to like, you're just going to write it so well that even if nothing makes any sense, it'll be okay because you're just that good of a writer. That's my analogy. <laughs> right. So Shakespeare, he's just conveying, yeah, how Ray felt and even though right. you're like, how the hell did Palpatine come back? Or who the hell is Emperor Snow? Doesn't matter, but you know what? It's so well written that we just don't care. That is funny because it is. I mean, it's got that like nostalgic, you know, I threw a little bit of everything in there, like, you know, it plus the kitchen sink. And I mean, I just, I remember some parts of that book so vividly. Kind of having this like nostalgic experience, like putting these like old Westerns together, the old Japanese, you know, feudal films and, um, you know, kind of reliving his excitement as a kid, uh, seeing, you know, all this stuff unfolding before him and being able to participate in these stories. I really think that Jake is like 
kind of a manifestation of like you know a, a, an every USA boy plus you know Stephen King's experience of holding an adult's hand and going into the theater and you know he experiences life with his first dog you know uh oi uh not yeah, really yeah. a dog but you know one of the most no well, i think we i think oi is definitely a dog <laughs> yeah. analog so i just so i think when they went into that little town of fennec like i said All right. it's hard for me to kind of accept that this is this one town this one little place I like that it was kind of like a Pleasantville. He describes Main Street kind of like as Disney. And it's like... Uh, and, and I can see that kind of like... How that might be frightening. Sort of the, the homogenization it is, it of is America. Scary. Yeah. So, so there's a little symbolism there, which I thought was good. But from a fantasy perspective, I'm like... Okay, the entire universe is being destroyed <laughs> from, this, from these psychics... Who live in this one little town... And there's no one else that's aware of this. There's no one else that can come and stop it other than, you know, four guys. And then this Roland and, and his quartet, they just go in there and just so easily. I mean, I know they had help from the inside, but they just so easily <laughs> right. just, you know, destroy this place and kill everybody and save the universe, basically. I mean, you'd think that the universe-destroying facility would have maybe some better defenses or something. I, I don't know. It just felt like it was just too easy. Yeah, in that in that part of the book, I kind of got like, like the strategy of it just all kind of moved strangely for me. I think I probably zoned out on those parts most of the time. Well, that like, kind of an important part because they're saving the beams, you know? Like, and, yeah. You know, the be and again, like, how exactly the beams work and what the beams are... So still, nebulous. I, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm still like really nebulous. That, that's a good word. I don't really know how this works or what it means. Maybe because I can't change my cosmological thinking, you know. But it, right. it, it just, I just don't get it. Like, okay, what exactly is a beam? And you know, so the, the the fact that they're saving the beams again, it was hard for me to wrap my head around that. Um, then he introduces his character, Ted Sleitman, I think. And he has a really cool backstory. He's this, huh. the most powerful psychic. And by the way, I, I started watching the movie yesterday. Um, oh, no. Which I, yeah, you told me not to. <laughs> and uh, it had some nice imagery. And uh, uh. I liked how the bad guys, you know, they had that line in the back of their neck. You know, oh, where, yeah. like, their faces were kind of like masks, and, and that yeah. was cool. Uh, I'm just trying to find good stuff, you know. But, I mean, you know, like all the people that complain so much about Lord of the Rings or whatever, like, they you, they, sh they should complain about this, because this has nothing to do with uh, the Dark Tower books <laughs> at all. Well, Why are people um, getting upset you know, about this, it, you know? Yeah, when it, it was under production <clears throat> for kind of like this long time, and I know, I, I do remember because... Uh, I had read the book series. Um, I had started reading the book series, I think, before they announced it. I don't even remember. And then they announced it, and they were like, well, Edris Ilba is going to be uh, Roland right. Deschain. And I was like, oh, 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 yeah. Like, I really liked what I saw. So, um, you know, I was like, I have to watch this. And um, it came out, and I wasn't really in a hurry to see it or anything. Yeah. You know, I thought, well, it's the Dark Tower, so they're going to make changes anyway. I mean, surely they can't. But the changes were, yeah. like, fundamental. <laughs> like, like, like Roland doesn't even want to go to the Tower. He's like, I don't care about the Tower. I just want to kill <laughs> the Man in Black. I'm like, no, that's yeah, the, man the exact Black. opposite of the story. Like, in the story, Roland is obsessed with getting to the Tower. It's like the director was like, He's... no, that's too vague of a motivation. So yeah, let's just no, make, no, it, let's no. just it, make was... it revenge. And it's like, it no, was... why are you changing it? You're changing the core part of the story, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, and like, I was like, what the hell is this Jake? This is not Jake. <laughs> like, I was just really well, insulted that, by well, what they did. That's why I brought that up because I think Jake was sort of combined with Ben Sleitman. Yes. Who, who I think should have been, and again, I think this is the problem with writing by the seat of your pants approach to storytelling because this plot where they introduce this idea of the low men who are going to earth and they're kidnapping children who are very psychic that's interesting <laughs> and i thought that should have been introduced earlier right and, right. and ben Sleitman, who who is like the uber psychic 
who right. that's the, the the guy that's going to make them you know destroy the the, the tower much faster. And and I'm right. saying that guy has an interesting story. I would have liked to have learned more about this guy. I would have liked him to Correct. maybe have been the main character earlier in the book. But it's like yes. Stephen King. It's like oh, I have a really good idea, but which should have been introduced earlier, but wasn't because he doesn't like to plan things out. And so he just kind of it's this late edition backstory. And again, I just feel like yeah, ben, you know. Just like, you know, Callahan, Perry Callahan, another interesting character who gets killed too early. And in the movie, I think what they're doing is they're combining Jake with Ben, you know, and saying, okay, Jake yeah. is like the super psychic who can destroy the, the towers. But it, but in the book, it's Ben who does this. And he's introduced in the middle of the seventh book, which I'm like, that's a little late. And then the guy doesn't even stay to help them out. He just kind of wanders away. And I'm like, no, you should keep that guy. He's really, he's really useful, you know. This series is only going to like run through, you know, like a really niche amount of people, and they're either who are going to really love it, and they're only going to be able to sit here like us and say, "Well, I really love it, and I want to continue to love it." But oh my god, the flaws are so numerous. Uh, we have a lot of deaths in this book. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and they're all <laughs> done really well. And uh, first, Eddie dies, and. You know, that was that was a powerful thing. When he died, I was like, oh, no, like he died. And later on, uh, Jake dies, the boy, saving yeah. Stephen King's life, <laughs> which, I, which in retrospect yeah. sounds kind of funny. Um, and they bury him out at the side of the road. I wonder if that's allusion to, like, okay. I don't remember when these books, were these books finished after his accident? I wonder if that's an allusion to him, like, burying his old self. I don't know, but... But what was interesting is I remember reading when he had his accident. When it yeah. Happened. I remember reading it like in the newspaper, like Stephen King said by a car, back when newspapers were a thing. And uh, yeah. and, I, and I, I immediately what I was thinking about, because I'm always thinking about writing, is I wonder how this is going to affect his writing, right? Like, you know, like I imagine that he would write like a sequel to Christine, like Christine 2, you know, or something. Because, oh, it did affect his writing. I well, mean, it really I mean, did. It affected his writing in a, almost in a comical way because we see that he's writing about him, himself, you know, you know, almost getting killed <laughs> in his own book, which I think is funny. And, you know, at the end of the book, he writes a little well, afterward where he says, um, I don't like metafiction. But but he's, right, and he goes. I don't really like putting myself in in my book, but this is the only way. He says this is the only I way I can connect all my books together, and I'm like, no, I I don't think so. I don't think you need to do that. You're such a dirty liar. Stephen yeah, King. there's no way he could not have connected his books without right. putting himself in it. I'm sure he could have. You know, it wasn't yeah, necessary. no, and I mean because his son Joe Hill, who also writes. The same kind of fiction as his dad, and who looks like his dad, and who I at first thought was like, I was like, who is this Stephen King wannabe? And then I was like, oh my god, that yeah, is yeah. his son. And it, but his books are all really good. Everything he's done is good, but they all link together, and he's already successfully pulled his whole universe together and kind of you know giving you a huge insight into it and one book already early in his career one book stephen king that's all it took okay well i don't want to criticize king because <laughs> no, 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 when, no 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 i because know. when he was writing in the but, 70s that was the shared right. universe thing wasn't that popular i i think you know i think the shared universe especially with marvel has become more and more popular. Like, I think if Stephen King was born today, then yeah, I think he would have perhaps thought, hey, let me put little links between my stories so that, you know, so that they're more connected. I didn't really have uh -huh. a problem with Stephen King putting himself in there. And I even think there's a few times where he, like, kind of criticizes himself almost unfairly. Like, Roland is like, oh, what a worthless... Crappy guy, you know. I hate. I hate Stephen uh, King. I almost feel like he was trying to like, because he just didn't want people to, to think he's being egotistical by putting himself in there. Um, yeah. But that's not the problem I had. The problem I have is why is the universe only speaking through Stephen King? You see, 
Like, if I had done something like that, I would have said, yeah, Nick Alamonis is creating this universe that exists, right? Maybe <clears throat> maybe Anya exists in another reality, I'd like to think that. Or, mm -hmm. or I'd like to think I'm channeling Anya through through my, you know, through my brain. But right. but I would say all authors are doing that. I wouldn't just say I'm, I'm uniquely doing that. I'm like, every author who ever lived is, is a part of, let's say, Fantasia, which for me is a better example of this i think michael and did this way better because michael and wasn't like i exclusively am creating fantasia he said no every kid whoever had a dream whoever had a fantasy is creating parts of fantasia so if stephen king oh yeah to do that i would be fine with it i'm just wondering why is why is he excluding all every other author that that's my only problem no you're right and it's not just authors i mean all artists are you know maintaining their own universes whether you know i mean i do um you know most of my original pieces all have a couple of little things in them that link them together as kind of watermarks i mean you got to figure it out on your own what those things are but they are there yeah. um you know what i mean that make them authentically you know my artwork um and you know i think that's fine to you know you tell your own mythologies until you tell your own stories and you you, you tell them using symbols from other places it's yeah. just how you mix them and what they mean to you and the lessons yeah. that you're taking for them that make up your individual story your thumbprint as the author on that particular piece of work and so it did seem like an ego show to me from a certain, you know, a few books on out. But at the same time, he was under pressure to complete the series. And he, I think he just maybe didn't have the, um, you know, passion for it like he did. So he was just like, oh, hey, you know, let's just. Well, no, I mean, he, I, mean I don't know. According to what he writes, he says he was really into it and he really <laughs> enjoyed this. But, and he does kind of hint a little bit at other uh, IPs, right? So he talks about like the Wizard of Oz, right? Like he talks about Marvel Comics with Doctor Doom. Yeah, and I'm like, all okay, that stuff. But does that mean that Gan is also speaking through J.K. Rowling or Frank L. Baum? He doesn't mention those authors by name. He only mentions himself. For, did Frank L. Baum create Oz in you know when Rowling came upon the the, the Emerald uh, City? Uh, that that's what I wonder, you know. Like if you looked at it in landscape, like the team of the Katet would be standing back here on like this little plateau, floating in space, looking at the plateau with the Emerald City on it over here, and then Fennec over here, and then you know um, some of the you know some of the earlier places that represented other literary sources because there were quite a few early on in the series that's what i, I would have done you know like for uh -huh. example i'm i'm considering uh the book i'm writing now the magic of anya um, yeah <clears throat> considering introducing an idea called the hub of all worlds that's the name of my uh, uh -huh. D &D, my dnd &D campaign setting and it's maybe somewhat similar to the dark tower in that there's portals that lead to other worlds but they're not all worlds that i created these are Literally all worlds, like any story or anything that anyone's ever written about or thought about or created, it's all out there. You know, it's it's yeah. all there. I'm not going to be like, no, I alone and you know, and, and the conduit through which you know the entire multiverse is is expressed. You know, maybe I'm just one of many infinite conduits through which we can explore the multiverse of imagination. Then at the same time, it's like it's Stephen King. You know, like, I don't know how to, <laughs> you know, it, he's kind of sitting here saying, well, I can, you know, I don't know, swing my dick around because I'm Stephen King and just you guys wait, I'm going to show you that regardless of whether you like it or not, you're going to be talking about this <laughs> piece of fire, trash fire for so long because you just are mystified by it. Like, I think he got what he wanted in the end, I, you know, and maybe he was being cheeky. I don't know. The death that hit me the, the hardest, and I think you probably will agree, was when the dog died, when the oi died. I was oh, like, geez. no! I was like, I, I audibly said this while I'm reading. I'm like, oh, no! And my wife is like, what happened? I'm like, nothing, it's something in the story. 
he foreshadowed it that everyone is gonna die that follows Roland. Yeah. But yep. I just felt really bad for the dog. I was like, no, you know, like Oh, I, I know. I yeah. felt worse for the dog than for anybody else, you know, for Jake. <laughs> right, but, yeah, uh, and I loved it. I mean I but you knew. I think I think you knew when Jake had passed away that Oi would I, you know, yeah, be with but Yeah, and then <laughs> he wouldn't leave Roland, but you know, he would eventually yeah. I didn't cry, but I almost cried, but, but I felt really sad. And I'm like, damn it, this nonsensical book is making me cry. So it's like, <laughs> it almost challenges the notion that things need to make sense. You know, yes. Like Picasso, I think, is another example. Like Picasso came out and said, no, things don't need to look realistic. No. Things don't need to, to, Absolutely to appear accurate. All that matters yeah. is how you feel. And I feel like well, right. this is an example of that. The Dark Tower. It's like, yeah, well, I do feel, I do feel things, and 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 that's better than a book that makes perfect sense, but doesn't make me feel anything. And there's a lot of books out there like that too. Oh. You know? Okay, so I wonder. <laughs> this is going to sound kind of weird, I guess. Bear with me, but so I'm starting to wonder then if, like, in the similar vein, what you were just talking about, he was just kind of like deconstructing. <laughs> like the story into nonsense yeah, and i mean artists go yeah, sometimes yeah. go through a deconstructive yeah. process yeah, yeah. i mean you can't deconstruct until you know what you're building uh and you can't rearrange it in a strange way until you know what the rules are right. so if you know how to build then you should be able to take it down and make it messed up and make it make sense when you mess it up and, you know, that was Picasso's success. And that might be Stephen King's success in this book. <laughs> it's like you the know. question is, is he a genius or is he an idiot? And I can't quite right, figure like, out. <laughs> Which is it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard question. Um, well, you know what I think is, I think this book is a product of, of his writing technique, basically. Okay, I don't like to plan things out. I just like to just sit down and just kind of let the inspiration take me where it goes. And I yeah, think the result of that was the Dark Tower. You know, I don't think he thought of all this consciously. I just Probably. think that this was the result of what happens when you have an artist who is really good at one thing and he attempts to do something else. And he's not as good at it. But So what he does is he sort of like makes up for it. With what he knows how to do best. You know, everyone seems to love Lord of the Rings, but it's a really uh -huh. dry read. It's very rigidly constructed world, but sometimes it's just, it's just hard to just care, you know? Whereas with this book, it's like nothing makes sense, but damn it, you really care about these characters and you want to know what's yes. going to happen to them. And right. that's just his talent. That's just what King knows how to do. And I think each artist just does what they know how to do best. So um, 100 pages to the end, because this whole time, I'm like, he's not going to make it, right? Like, he's not going to make it because I'm like, it's 100 pages. And then I thought, okay, well, in right. my style, maybe, right? Because if you look at the Princess of Anya, a lot of things happen in the last 100 pages. A lot gets resolved. A lot of stuff but goes book, on, yeah, but, but that's a only, lot of stuff. But the book is only 400 pages long, see? So, uh -huh. so that's like a fourth of the entire story. A hundred pages out of a book series. This is a seven book series, and you know each book is like eight hundred pages long, and you only have a hundred pages left, and they haven't even got to the Dark Tower yet, right? And I'm <laughs> right. Like, what the yeah. hell? Like, I want to know what's in the Dark Tower. I want to get there. I want to experience that. And I'm like, there's no way, you know, he's gonna wrap it up. He's gonna yeah, be he's able gonna to do it. To give it a satisfactory conclusion. I had the same thought. Right, I, kept, like, <laughs> I was like, like what? I was reading and I kept flipping and looking at the anime. Yeah. Okay, how I kept counting the pages. Okay, 50 pages yeah. left. You know, 20 yeah. pages left. There's no way he's going to make it. But but somehow, that bastard, and this one I texted you. I texted you when I finished. I'm like, that motherfucker. <laughs> he pulled it off somehow. And again, I mean, I have, okay, I do have a lot of complaints. I feel like, who the hell was the Crimson King? We have no idea who the Crimson King was. And again, this is another big bad guy. We know nothing about him. And then and then when Roland encounters him, 
the guy's dialogue is like, you know, Marvel Comics villain dialogue, right? This is like <laughs> Doctor Doom, you know, talking to the Fantastic Four. I'll get you, Roland. You, you can't stop me. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, what? Like, what is this? Right. Like, what's going on? Like, this is the most generic, cliche yeah. villain imaginable. And this is the guy, this is the Crimson King, who's like the uber boss, the final boss. And the only thing he can do is throw, like, like flying grenades that, you know, buzz around. Like, this is the only thing he can do. He doesn't have any other magic powers. He, he can't. Yeah, he has now. He can't do anything. It's like... He's pathetic. I, like you know, I hate to say it, but it was almost like uh, using the eye of Sauron is kind of like an every man, like you know, kind of like the man in black is a trope throughout a lot of books. Like a lot of no, people write about fine, the man in black, you know, but, but we never yeah. see Sauron. You see, like we never see Sauron because no, we, that, I know because if Sauron showed up and he's like, "I'm gonna get you, kid. You can't stop me," and you know, I will rule the world. <laughs> You'd be like, really? This is sorry. This is the guy we've been worried about. Next time, he all this time. Yeah, next time I'll get you. Like, no, but come on, you know. <laughs> this is like a He-Man villain. It, yeah. It's like he met Skeletor, like, you know. At, at That's what I'm saying. You know, it's like, eh. and he's stuck in a balcony, and he just can't do much. He can't and do anything. And I'm like, you know. Yeah. And then he God, gets, what was it? That was the Crimson Eye. No, now I'm curious, and I have to look it King. up. But he did have an he did have an eye as a symbol, though. Let's, no, I know the symbol. I love the symbol. It was badass. I've always loved some of the like symbolic imagery from yeah the build this up series, was but... awesome for this guy. Like my younger self would have been very disappointed. My 12 year old self would have been like, "Wow, that sucks!" If this is the final battle, you know. Um, but, uh, but, and again, we don't know who this guy is. It's like, you know, Supreme Leader Snoke. Who is this guy? We just don't know. <laughs> we know nothing about him. He just him. showed out. He just, she just he's showed just up at somewhere. the end, and he's like on this balcony, and why he got stuck in the balcony, we don't know. And how is he going to bring down the tower when he, all he can do is throw grenades? I don't, I don't get it. It's weird. But somehow, the things that King does well, he does really well. He just does really well. Like when Susanna decided that she didn't, you know, didn't want to be a part of this. And uh, and they had that emotional exchange where she's like, you know what? I, I don't want to give my life for the Dark Tower. I know I'm going to die in this quest. And I want to go and I want to be with the people I love. And and I thought that was interesting. That, that was an interesting, you know, powerful moment. And... <clears throat> The concordance of okay. the Dark Tower. That's uh, also cheating. But it says that okay. The Crimson King is primarily a character in the book Insomnia, but he is a he is a Lord of Chaos, uh, whose true form vacillates between that of a satanic, <laughs> red-eyed Santa Claus and a scuttling spider. Thanos is a much better villain. He has better dialogue and he has better motivations and he does more things and. So, I don't know, I never really thought of Stephen King as not making good villains. You know, Pennywise was a great villain. You, like, if I just told you the story, like, I mean, the Crimson King gets killed because he gets erased by a, a really good artist who, again, shows up very <laughs> right. late in the game, and he can draw right. you, and then he can erase you. And I'm like, okay, that's a very cool power that that random guy has. Who's this guy? He just shows up. Just, I almost feel like just... Telling the story, it sounds awful, right? Like, I think if you just read right. Stephen King's notes on The Dark Tower, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. this this sucks. But, but the way he writes it is so damn good. This is why one of the main reasons I want to read Stephen King is because I want to learn from his technique because he's really got right. it. And I'm thinking if I could, like, get his technique and then maybe couple it with a, with a better story, a better plot, I should say, um... Yeah, then I'd be the greatest author, you know. So that's my goal. So, I'm, so I want to read more of him, you know. And I like how it ended. I like how, uh, you know, spoiler alert, um, you know, Susanna went to this other reality and she met another version of uh, of Jake. Eddie. And Eddie. And it was very was romantic. It was very sweet. I like that because yeah. he didn't know her, but he had a kind of a sense of her in the same way uh -huh. that Jake... Which I actually thought that was a little bit of 
maybe accidental foreshadowing, you know, because Jake, a version of Jake had died, and then another version of Jake felt that death and went and sought Roland in, like, the third book, right? So, right. So now a similar thing is happening here where Susanna right. meets another version of Eddie and through some sort of cosmic connection, he loves her, even though he doesn't know her. And I, and I thought that was very sweet. I like that. And I like that right. these characters, at least versions of them, could have some kind of a happy ending. And I thought this was really clever because I thought the story was over when Roland goes to the, to the tower itself and he says, I'm coming, I'm coming to the tower. And you just see it from the perspective of the artist. He just hears Roland kind of proclaiming how he's, he's made it, he's made it to the tower. And then it kind of ends. And then you have a little note from Stephen King saying, there's no such thing as happy endings. You know, you gotta, you gotta stop at a certain point. And I'm like, that's so true. You know what I'm saying? Because oh, yeah. when you watch like a Disney movie, it's like, okay, Cinderella marries the prince and then that's it. But you don't see like the rest of her life. Like you don't keep watching and say, well, Oh yeah. You don't happens, see it. Everything you know? Yeah, like do, do, like does she always like does she have healthy babies and does she never get sick and does she never you know maybe she dies of old age or she she gets cancer you know like you know you don't want to know you don't want to go that far right like right it's it's, it's, a, it's a fairy story it's a fairy story and it's very much in a way it's kind of metafiction it's King kind of reflecting on what stories the way stories function and he's saying that stories. And at a certain point, when on, on the high notes, that's when we stop telling a character's story. But if you really right. want to know what happens to Roland, keep reading. And of course, how could you not, right? I can't imagine. Right, you keep stopped. going because you're right? stupid. So he goes into the Dark Tower. And again, if you think, okay, the Dark Tower is the center of the universe, why is it that all the rooms are just like levels of Roland's life, right? Yes. And I'm thinking, okay, is this like metaphorical? Is this like an illusion, a glamour? You know, would would right. Eddie have seen something different if he went into this tower? Um, and I think he was inspired by Edgar Allan Poe. If you remember uh, the story, The Mask of the Red Death. Yeah, that's my favorite Poe story, actually. Oh, yeah, okay. And remember how like, yeah, they were moving many times. from room to room? And room each to room. room they got closer to death, and the final room yeah. was the death room, right? I think it was like yeah. the black room. And all the different rooms were different colors. And there were different colors representing stages of life. Of the Yeah, the stages of life and the stages of the disease. Yeah, so I think that's yep. what King was channeling with the tower, where yeah. Roland is going up, and it's just all the stages of his life. And then toward the end, the you know the, the walls are getting narrower, and narrow yeah, until closing in he and... describes it as being as narrow as a coffin. And I'm like, oh shit, like this mm -hmm. is death, right? But then... Right, it's going in. <laughs> the yep. the mind-blowing twist, you know, which I, I love that there was a mind-blowing twist, is that he, he goes through this door and there is the desert that he started off in in the very first book. Yes. And you realize... <laughs> and he realizes... When he gets to the door, he realizes at the last moment, oh shit, I've been here before. Like I've been, I've been to this here tower before. many times before, and and his his life is this perpetual loop, and uh, yeah. and I thought, wow, yeah. that's really I don't know. They just it got me. You know, every time he confronts this new cycle, he starts differently with some sort of something has changed about his quest. This time through. See, see that I didn't know. get. I, I just assumed that he was going to meet Eddie again and Suzanne <laughs> and all those people. And it was just going to be like the whole story again. That, that, that's what I felt. You know, uh, you know and that's, I, I liked that about it. Um, I kind of felt like there was actually a good place for it to end in a good kind of like little detail to leave. Because that means that if Stephen King wants to, he can come back. And like rewrite everything, rewrite yeah. a new branch. I don't think he's going like, to. But. No, he's not going to. And you're absolutely right. But I just, you know, it's just. I think it's the fact that it's the 
possibilities. I mean, you know, I think the it, thought it, of definitely open to interpretation. And, sure. Oh, yeah. And one interpretation that I think we might be able to get into his thought process. Uh, I saw Stephen King um, on YouTube, and you know he had one of those little. Um, things where he's talking to an audience and uh and at the end of that uh speech he gives he reads a short story he wrote and the short story is about life after death okay uh-huh. and in the story this guy dies and he goes to heaven and there's two doors and the guy tells him okay you can go through this door and you're just be dead you're just going to disappear okay right or you can go through this other door and you can be reborn and the guy's like, oh, well, I'm going to be reborn, of course. But then the, the angel or whatever, he tells him, okay, you can be reborn, but your life is going to be exactly the same. So you're going to make all the same mistakes again. You're going to suffer the same things you suffered again. And the guy's like, really? Like, like there's no way I can change it? He goes, no, there's no way you can change it. Like, whatever you, whatever you, you dealt with, you're going to just have to do it over again, you know? And, uh, and the guy was like, well, that sucks. Like, I just wish I could remember so I could avoid making the same mistakes. But he can't, right. you know? And so if there's a, a metaphorical message, and I'm not saying this was intentional, but I'm thinking that maybe what King is saying is we have one life to live. And so the choices we make in that life, they're kind of like, Echo into eternity, you know. For Roland, his whole life was about the tower. I have to get to the tower. I have to get to the tower. All that matters is right. the tower. And in many ways, he sacrificed a lot of friendships and a lot of love and, and a lot of happiness because he was so dead set on this tower. And in the end, right, that's all he got was, okay, he got to the tower. Now what? You know, you, you, you gave that was everything it. for this. Like he could have gone with Susanna. And, but he didn't. Well, yeah. Like, no, no. In, I have to get to the tower. In a very tower. like Hamlet manner, he like killed his own mother. You know, like no, exactly. He chose himself before he chose others. However, the critique <laughs> I would give of that is, I feel like King is maybe trying to like have his cake and eat it too. You know? Yeah. I think he's trying to do uh -huh. that because on the one hand, the tower is almost like a metaphor for like I don't know, maybe for drug addiction or something. But right. but also. If he didn't go on this quest, he wouldn't have saved the the multiverse, you know, or the universe. So, was going on this quest, like, necessary or not? You know, because on the one hand, it seems like he's saving the universe. But on the other hand, it's like he's trying to imply that this is kind of the selfish need to get to the tower. So, sure, So, I'm yeah. not really sure. Like, I think... King is trying to, to, to do it both ways. Say, oh, he's saving the universe, right. but it's also like this drug addiction that isn't really important. So do you have any closing thoughts on the drug tower? <laughs> no, I was glad I finally suckered somebody else into reading it for once. Oh, like, really? it's about time. Like, nobody else can take the challenge. Like, <laughs> they read the gunslinger, and they're like, no, I'm out. And I'm like, oh, you losers. Uh, you know, I, so, I would but I get it. rather read this than read um, The Wheel of Time, to be honest. I, I think well, The Wheel I of Time yeah, is me like too. a chore <laughs> to get through. And this wasn't a chore, actually. I mean, it kept me engaged. So. Yeah, it's been a, I shotgunned that series, and it's been a long time since I have shotgunned a series like that. And I mean... You know, it was just, it's like, no, you know, if I don't get this freaky series over with, I just can't stop asking questions. I so need to know so how, how would end. you rate the seventh book? I think four, I would probably give it four stars. Four of the five again. stars? Four of the five stars? <clears throat> four out of five, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think, I'm, I really think I'm gonna do the same. Well, so my rating goes up to four. So I might have to change that so we don't get our listeners confused. But, oh, um, but I think this final book, I was tempted to give it four stars, which is my highest rating. But I think because it has so many issues, um, I think I'm just going to go with three and a half. Um, I gave the original Gunslinger two and a half stars. Um, the Drawing oh of the Three, gosh. I gave that two and a half stars. The Wastelands, I gave two stars. For some reason, I just wasn't into the... That's the one with the train... And I just, I don't know, I just wasn't too into the Wastelands. I think this is when they spent most time 
in the other world. And, uh, and again, I just don't think he's as good with the fantasy settings, you know. Wizard and Glass, I gave three stars. I like that a lot because that's basically the story of Susanna. And it's a Western romance, but it's done really, really well. So I like that. Um, Wolves of the Kala, I gave that three stars. Song of Susanna gave, I think, two or two and a half stars. And uh, finally, uh, this last book, I think I'd have to give it uh, three and a half. So I think it's the, the last one is the best. And I think it's worth reading. So I think I gave The Gunslinger five stars because I okay. loved it that You really much. did like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. I, I was but then again, I read it in high school, so maybe if I read it now, I'd have a different feeling about it. I don't know. Let's two see. stars is forgettable for me, and three stars is great. So I guess between forgettable and great, so I guess good. Two and a half maybe would be good. And uh, four stars is a must-read. So I would say the last book is almost a must-read, but then you have to get through so many books that are not the greatest to get to the last book. All right. You know, which which I think would make it difficult for a lot of people. I think the lowest I ever went was three stars. And for me, that's like pretty middle ground. That was a, well, I got through it and it was okay. You know, yeah. a four star is a, this is pretty good and I liked it enough. It kept me involved. And then a five is like, I just, I really loved it. No, none of these were like bad yeah. books. Like I, I, I rarely review one star <coughs> uh, books just because I don't want to heard any authors out there unless they're very years. unless they're very yeah. famous and successful authors that, that i might mention oh yeah no you know? i've definitely done that to some su successful and famous authors yeah. <laughs> i like been like oh this was not a good book yeah but you know it might be weighed against other you know scores of their books that i'm you know weighed more heavily in favored right. so i don't right. think it's you know too terrible to say hey not your best work so are we are we reading the next um, book because I started it? Uh, yeah, I started it too. Stephen so. King wrote a middle book, a midquel, which is a book okay. that takes place within the Dark Tower series. Uh, yeah, it's the, the beginning said it started like it's supposed to be four point five. Yeah, it's four point five is the Winter the yeah. Keyhole. I started reading that, and maybe we'll discuss that uh, next time. Uh, yeah, story matters. Yeah, story does matter. Okay, thanks for, uh, thanks. thanks for talking to me today, Heather. Yeah, and, thanks for talking to me, Nick. To everyone out there, thanks for listening. Until next time. Yeah, thanks. All right. If you enjoyed this discussion, you may also enjoy the books in the Anya series because I am not only a book critic, but I am also an author. The books in the Anya series include Ages of Anya, The Princess of Anya, and my latest release, which just came out this year, The Feral Girl. So if you like stories about adventure, fantasy, horror, I think that these stories uh, will engage you. You can get those books directly from my author site at www.nickalamonos.com or you can get them from Amazon.